Hi, my name is Gina, and welcome to Letters to My Daughters podcast. If you're new, I just want to welcome you, and if you're a returning listener, I want to thank you for coming back. This week, I have felt a calling to invite. Invite others into my home, to church, and into my heart. Today's episode is geared specifically toward church, including feeling burned by churches or by people in the church. I hope you feel encouraged to build your own family through Christian friendships and that you enjoy today's episode. going to a Catholic church. We didn't go regularly, and as I got older, I went less and less, but I never felt a connection to God through my church. I used to use that lack of connection as an excuse for not wanting to go. The priest would drone on and on using the King James Version of the Bible, and none of it made sense to me. When I became a teen mom, I went to see a Christian counselor. I told him that I was being physically abused by my daughter's father and that he wasn't being faithful to me. This pastor told me that I needed to marry my abuser so that he would be faithful to me, otherwise nothing would change and the abuse would continue. I wasn't going to church. But this counselor was recommended by a family friend, so I trusted him. It took my now husband encouraging me to give church another chance in order for me to feel safe enough to go back. I remember when my husband first took me to a non-denominational Christian church. I wasn't sure what to expect, but based on what I had seen in movies and the example my husband had set for me, I was expecting it to be wonderful. We had only just started dating, and to be honest, that first visit to a church nearly ended our relationship. My husband is the kind of guy who researches everything in great and nearly obsessive detail when making decisions, so I trusted that where he was taking me was going to be wonderful and full of God's peaceful people. We walked in the door, they gave us beautiful gift bags containing expensive books, and we sat down in the beautiful sanctuary. The sermon that ensued was, simply put, horrible. I have never heard more hateful speech spoken from the pulpit in my entire life, and I was so incredibly disgusted by what I had heard. Hundreds of people nodded and took notes around me as I slowly boiled over, and when we got to the car, I exploded. The same feeling I had about Catholic Church washed over me. I didn't want to go back. As my husband and I neared our wedding day, we had found our first church home, and I had decided that I wanted my daughter to have a Christian education. I had just been baptized into Christ and wanted to build her future on the solid foundation of Jesus' teachings. The school took my payment, 
enrolled my daughter, and then promptly expelled her. Their reasoning was that because I was cohabitating with a man, even though we were getting married in five short weeks, I was too much of a sinner and a bad example for my child to go to their school. My daughter was five years old. This school sent me a letter comparing me to prostitutes from the Bible, telling me that it was their duty to correct my sinful nature and telling me that if I wanted my daughter to go to school there, I needed to get legally married immediately. They also wanted to keep the money I had already paid, but you can rest assured that I got my money back. If you haven't noticed yet, letter writing is one of my strong suits. When we moved across the country and started going to a new church, I took a leap of faith and joined a women's group for the first time. The group fell apart within weeks due to rampant gossip. So why am I telling you about these things? Does it make you want to avoid church? Have you felt burned by a church? If you look at church the way that I did, thinking that it would be a home, abounding in grace, overflowing with peace, exploding with the presence of God, with no possibility for disagreement or negative experiences, well, your heart is pure, but your expectations are too high. Which is why I say, nobody from your pastor to the janitor is perfect. There are plenty of Bible verses reminding us why we need to go to church, like keeping the Sabbath holy. But I want to focus today on the reminders of why we need to go to church, even if it is the most imperfect place we visit each week. I want to start by telling you this. If you go to church as your weekly dose of God's word and do nothing else to pursue Jesus, your relationship with God is superficial. If you are relying on your pastor to spoon-feed you hand-selected passages of scripture that are used to suit a sermon, but you're not looking up the verses yourself to obtain context, your relationship with the Bible doesn't exist. I talked about this last week. We should be questioning everything. My husband has a life verse that I want to get into today. We talk about it all the time because he and I care a lot about helping people understand why they believe what they believe so that they can explain it to others. Having the capability of squashing the arguments of non-believers is a form of using the armor of God. It denies the enemy the opportunity to poke holes in your logic and sets the example for others who may be weaker in their faith. In Matthew 13, we are told the parable of the sower. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still, other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. 
If you think about it like this, your church is the farm, the seeds are the gospel, and the soil types are the people in the church. I am an avid gardener, and one of the most important things you can do to find success in growing crops is to prepare the soil. Preparing the soil doesn't mean you go buy fertilizer. It means you get down on your hands and knees, turning the soil by hand, mixing in other kinds of soils, and softening the earth. You should have dirt under your fingernails and smudges on your face by the time you are done. If you don't prepare your soil, you may still succeed in growing something, but it isn't going to be as productive and long-lasting as it could have been had you put in the effort up front. And the funny part is, before I understood soil preparation, I would get so frustrated and annoyed and complain about how terrible my plants were doing. It was within my power to correct the problem all along, but until I equipped and empowered myself with the knowledge and then put in the work, my plants were puny and didn't produce. So, how can you prepare your soil to receive the gospel in a way that flourishes within you? Matthew 13 continues, When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy, but since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop, yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. How are we to understand the message if we do not study it? How are we supposed to endure trouble or persecutions, keeping our faith strong, if we don't take time to understand why we believe what we believe? If the worries of your life, the house you are building, is sinking, and you just cannot catch up, Maybe you should consider the soil preparation or the foundational preparation of what you are building your life on. Matthew 7, 24 through 27 shares the parable of the wise and foolish builders. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Jesus is telling his followers that by not putting the word into practice, they are setting their earthly and heavenly lives up for failure. And I want to caution you, because it is all well and good to have well-prepared soil with a lush and fertile garden, but it is only truly good 
if you understand who is making your garden grow. In 1 Corinthians 3, 5 through 7, we are told, What after all is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only servants, through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. You have to be so careful that you don't give yourself too much credit. We are tasked with a job, a heavenly career by God himself. You have to put in the work by studying scripture, by worshiping, by finding people you can edify and fellowship with, by being doers of the word. You can't expect your church to be a perfect place. Your church isn't perfect. Your pastor isn't perfect. His wife isn't perfect. Your worship leader isn't perfect. And the dude sitting three rows in front of you isn't perfect. You can't expect it to be perfect when you aren't perfect. You can't expect a church filled with people who are human and sinners just like you to be perfect. The world is full of sin, and churches are no exception to that. The difference with church, as opposed to the secular world, is that you should expect your church to be built with a solid foundation, with well-prepared soil. But if you haven't put in the work yourself, you won't be able to recognize churches that don't have their priorities straight. One time, while we were church shopping, my husband did his usual research and we headed out to try a new church. To my surprise, once the worship hymns began, people started doing cartwheels, wailing and waving their arms, headbanging and generally shocking me with their antics. We were in a Pentecostal church and did not know it. Their website and mission statement didn't give any indication of this, and for the duration of the sermon, everyone was going bananas. If you go into a church with expectations of other people, you're going to sit in the back row, white-knuckling your way through church every week. If you don't prepare yourself for what you are getting yourself into, you're going to be faced with moments of great shock and surprise. I could have left the church after all of my bad experiences. Churches are going to hurt your feelings. They are going to say and do things you don't always agree with. But we don't go to church because it is heaven on earth. We go so that we can find like-minded friends, worship, glorify God, and to grow. If you haven't been going to church because you haven't found the right one yet, maybe you've been burned, I want to encourage you to try again. Be open about your feelings with the pastor, spend time asking questions, and most importantly, stay in God's word. Jesus loves you and wants you to be surrounded with people who can lift you up in Christian love.
Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. If you enjoyed what you heard, please share and subscribe. If you would like to leave feedback, please leave a review and email me at questions.letterstomydaughters at gmail.com. I hope God blesses you this week in ways that you never imagined. Talk to you next time.